0: If you are a Christ follower, you're going to want to share this awesome thing, this relationship you with the Lord with others. That's what a lot of us come to is we're just scared of the unknown or what the reaction will be. Do they see um, something different about me? Being intentional in the relationships that you have ashamed of gospel the good news that that has been given to me that now i have a responsibility and a privilege to share evangelism is a natural outpouring of uh, growing closer to the lord they will see the difference i mean that's showing christ to somebody so that's evangelism his love is going to be pouring through us and pouring into um, others through us always thinking you know how can i show the love of god to them Building authentic relationships where they see that you have something they don't have, that they're going to know, and who Jesus Christ is to not only themselves but who He is to me. Good morning. How's everyone doing? How's everyone doing in Overflow? You with me? All right. How's everyone doing at Santan? All right, everybody needs to just give a a huge round of applause for Santan because those are the most beautiful people in the world. Not only physically, but on the inside as well. And we want to thank you for all those that are joining us at the 5 o'clock service and online throughout the world. What an awesome day. Um, A lot better than the Super Bowl, I can tell you that. The Super Bowl is rather boring, but today is going to be exciting. Um, We're talking about not only my favorite topic, but a topic that needs to be talked about, and that's evangelism. See some of you sinking down, maybe take a nap. Some of you are shaking a little bit evangelism is is a topic that doesn't need to be scary in fact we're going through this series called deep and wide and the whole idea behind deep and wide and what we've talked about so far is is being that church that is not just deep to where all we care about is knowledge and 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 rules and all that kind of stuff and 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 we ignore the community we, we call that the frozen chosen, and we don't want to be that. And, but we also don't want to be that, that church that's like an inch deep and a mile wide. And, and uh, so We want to try to be a church that's both deep and wide, and basically become the biblical church. And as we go through this, we've talked about what it means to be mature, what we were created for. Last week, Linda did an amazing job talking about what it means to live a life under biblical authority. Well, today... As we live under that biblical authority, we're going to open the Bible and, and really drop anchor um, on one of the most important topics that, that a church can talk about, and to be quite honest, the American church has been awful silent about for quite a long time, and that's evangelism. So let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. dearly Father, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to be here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we live in an amazing country um, that allows us um, to do this, to talk openly and freely about our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we dig into Your Word today and we we talk about the topic of evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a dying community, I just pray that You give us wisdom to see things the way You see them, um, uh, to take away all distractions and allow us to focus in on what You would have for us today. It's in Your precious name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite topics uh, to talk about in history, and and if you've been to the mine on Tuesday nights or you've been out in the tent, uh, Journey 180 on Sunday mornings, we've been going through this whole timeline and and trying to put the Bible on this timeline so it's understandable and and putting the Bible up against history because it is history and, and it does bump up against some of the great civilizations of the past and one of my favorite topics is walking through that whole idea of ancient civilization and seeing how God has placed these dominoes throughout our history, um, all the way back from the beginning as each civilization has played a part, ultimately pointing to the cross. And so I love digging into that. I also love the topic of World War II. That's one of um, my my favorite topics of study. It just fascinates me. Um, But the third topic that that I've spent quite a bit of time studying and that um, I love is the whole idea of the Titanic. And we all know the story of the Titanic Uh, close to 102 years ago. Uh, man set out to build this perfection on the sea, and the Titanic was just that. It was perfect. It was the fastest, it was the biggest, most luxurious, not only the most luxurious boat, it was the most luxurious hotel in the world, and it actually floated at high speeds. It was amazing. Everything was brand new, pristine. If you saw the movie, um, and I know some of you might be judging me because of the landscape scene, but it's a fascinating uh, movie. And it really depicts just what it would have been like to be on board um, for those couple days. And it talks about this whole idea of these, as they were building the ship, the arrogance that started coming forth with the perfection that was being made. And how God himself could not even sink this boat. And it's fascinating that... About three days later, as it, as it took out across the Atlantic, it sunk. Now, we can have all these excuses as to why the Titanic sunk. They were ignoring this and ignoring that. And it was because of the iceberg and because it was a calm night. But the fact is, it was man's arrogance. Man's arrogance took over. And what was once perfect is now at the bottom of the sea. And I think that so perfectly encapsulates our issue as humans see in the beginning we all know that that God created man in his image and he placed him in this garden of Eden and everything was perfect and it was beautiful and it was new and it was amazing and even Adam, could you imagine being Adam Adam, I mean if anyone could literally stand and go I'm the king of the world, it was him, he had it all and then within just a couple days probably man's arrogance took over and from that point on, humankind has been thrust out into the icy waters of sin. And from that point on, we've been dealing with this sin issue, this separation. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that, and if, if you're in here today, if you're at Santan or listening online, that's you. That's me. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says because we have done that, because we live under this sin... That the wages of the sin is death. Now, it's not talking about a physical death, even though that is one of the issues that comes about with sin, but it's talking about a spiritual death, because you see, when we die physically, we're separated from our body, but when we die spiritually, we're separated from God. And the Bible says that we've all sinned, we all have death, we are all separated. And from that moment, we needed someone to close that gap. Someone that, that, that could, that could pay that price. And the Bible gives us that cure. It gives us that good news that while we were still sinners, God demonstrated His love for us in this. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. And He died for us. That is the gift of God to a fallen man that while we were dying in the icy waters of sin, he reached out his hand and gave us an opportunity to come into a lifeboat. It's often asked, well, why why can't the Bible be more straightforward on how someone can get to heaven? Well, I, I think it's actually fairly straightforward. Let's look at that. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, as the Bible says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, or black or white, male or female, Iraqi, American. There is no difference. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. And here's a key verse. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today we're going to talk about this life-saving process that Paul just laid out. Paul just laid out a life-saving process. We know that there, there needs to be people that are saved. In order for someone to save, someone has to be in need of saving. All have sinned. We know there needs to be a potential savior, and that's Jesus. We know the method. We know how people are saved. If they confess with their mouth or they declare with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised they will be saved. So what's the problem? What's found in the next couple verses in 14. Paul asks How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. Paul gives the life-saving process backwards. In order for someone to call, they need to believe. In order for them to believe, they have to hear the message. But in order for them to hear, someone has to preach. And in order for someone to preach, they have to be sent. Well, God takes care of the bookends. We've already read, if someone believes, they, they will call and God will save. And He also took care of the beginning. We have all been sent. We have been commanded to go preach the good news to all the creation. So, where does the holdup happen? Why aren't more people turning their life over to Jesus Christ? It's because of the second piece the word preach. You see, the church has a misunderstanding of what the word preach means. We assume it means we're going to get behind a pulpit. We're going to put on our southern voice. And we're going to start preaching the holy word of God to people. And we're going to tell them that, you know, son, you're a sinner. And you're going to burn in the fiery pits of hell if you don't change. And you need to marry someone. And we just go on. Everybody has purple hair. And they're yelling at people. We think the word preach means we get on a, a picnic table or on a soapbox with a bullhorn and start yelling at people. Sinner! 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 You've seen them out in front of every football game. Sinner! That's not preach. In fact, don't grab a bullhorn, by the way. We're going to watch the game. Preaching is this. It comes from the Greek word kierso, which means to be a herald. What a herald means is to run. To run to run, to be a messenger, an ambassador. Back in the day, before email, before Twitter, kings would write a message out, scroll it, seal it, hand it to a herald, they'd put on their Nikes, and and they'd head out. And they'd run 10 miles to the near city, 20 miles, 100 miles and they'd run with the message and as they're running into the, the city they would yell at the top of their lungs the king is coming, the king is coming his message is here make way, prepare the way for the king and they would yell this and they would pass on the message and it was at the highest of importance the king's message was at the highest of importance and that's what a herald was in fact the marathon, the Olympics was basically a bunch of heralds getting together going uh, you want to race? That, that's it that's, that's how the marathon started And so as Paul is writing this, we need to step into the sandals of his audience. As they're hearing preach, they're 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 thinking to themselves, God wants me to go. God wants me to run. He doesn't want me to speak, he wants me to run, he wants me to move, he wants me to race. We are called to go. We are called to preach. To run. There are people who don't know Jesus. Are not going to heaven because they still live in separation. We have the cure and we're not reaching out. My question today is why? Why? Why as the church, specifically the American church, are we silent? Well, I think there's a couple reasons why people don't witness, why people don't run. And I've lived out a lot of these reasons. The first one is I think we have the wrong mental picture of who we're running to. We understand the message. We understand that, 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 God, can, that God sent his son. We understand that whole thing that we've walked through. But as we look out at our friends and our family and, and those in our community... I think we have the wrong mental picture of them. We hear the words, they're lost. They're confused. They're ignorant. They're sinners or they're evil. They just don't understand. I want you to watch a clip real quick because this will help us gather a more realistic biblical view of the people we're trying to reach. Let's look. The Bible says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. People aren't lost. They're not blind. They're not confused. They're not evil. They're dying. They're dying. They're dying apart from Jesus Christ. You see, as Christians, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, What it changed about us was not our looks or education level or it changed the fact that we were no longer in the water, but now we are in a lifeboat. You see, each and every one of us as believers, in essence, has a lifeboat. We have a lifeboat. And it's our goal and it's our job to point that lifeboat in the right direction. When I was in fifth grade, uh, I was in the backyard with my friend, and we were playing football, and I, I don't know, I was Danny White, and he was somebody else, and and, and we were just throwing the ball around and having fun, and um, and then all of a sudden he stopped, and he's all, did you hear that? And I'm like, no, throw me the ball. And so we played a little longer, he's all, he grabbed the ball again, he's all, did you hear that? And I was like, no, throw me the ball. And, and so And then finally he just dropped the ball, and he headed over the fence. He started crawling up, and I'm like, oh, come on, I gotta go home. And and I see this little fifth grade nubby arms getting up there, and I see him pop his head over, and I hear this. He's like, he drops, and he runs. I was like, hmm. What do you think I did? Started grabbing the fence, little nubby arms, put my head over, And what I saw that afternoon, I could see it today as if it was right here. There was an old lady. She was in her nightgown, long gray hair, and she had her feet up on the porch. And her face was in the cement. And in a giant pool of blood that was slowly rising, all she was able to do was say, Help me! Help me! Please. I stood. I, I stood there at the fence, leaning over, not knowing what to do. I'd never seen someone dying. I, I didn't know what it was supposed to. Do. I thought, you know, those things aren't on Fraggle Rock. This is like this is real, and I'm like, and I raced in and dawn had already begun the process of calling and police and the firefighters came and and she was saved now can i tell you and i'm going to be honest because i'm completely evil and horrible if i would have looked over the fence and there would have been an old lady bouncing against a wall i'm lost i would have laughed because i'm evil i'm evil I, i wouldn't do that today um or if there would have been an old lady, I'm confused, wouldn't have done anything. I'm evil. <laughs> nothing. You see, we, we, we often aren't compelled to reach out to the lost, even though we should, if someone's lost, we should pull our car over, but we don't always. We pull up to that homeless person. Don't look, don't look. I mean, Be honest. But if we came across someone who was dying, we would do something. We would do something. What I'm asking is as we look out at those people who don't know Jesus Christ, can we view them as someone who is separated and spiritually dying? And then if we don't do anything they might die eternally separated from Christ. And as a church, we cannot let that happen. The second reason why I think people don't go is they're actually, even though they don't mean to be, the church is actually often going the wrong way. People are dying over here, but our lifeboats are pointed this way. One of the tragic statements of the Titanic was, yes, we understand there wasn't enough lifeboats on board for everybody. But here's the tragic statement and fact There was enough seats And there was enough lifeboats For everybody in the water And yet all the lifeboats but one Turned the opposite way And focused on self And so that begs the question Why are we here? Not as human beings That's a great philosophical question Why we're here But as Christians Why did God leave us here? Why are we sitting here today? What is our purpose as believers? Some would say, well, it's to worship. Our purpose here is to worship. That's why we were left here. And Ryan, wherever you're at, close your ears. No, it is not. Now, don't get me wrong. We were created to worship and we will worship now and for eternity. That's what we were created to do. That's not why God left us here. Well, maybe it's to learn all the mysteries of Jesus and grow closer to Him. Can't we do that better in heaven? It still doesn't answer the question that when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God didn't go and bring us to heaven. We can worship better in heaven. I would be able to sing. I would bring the heat. I'd bust some moves. I'd do whatever it took. All the stuff I can't do now. I will be able to grow closer to Jesus, understand all the mysteries of the heavens better in heaven than here. The only thing we can't do as believers in heaven that we can do currently is tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. Everything else we can do better in heaven. So the reason why God left us here... It's to reach out and tell people about Jesus. Yes, we need to be worshiping because we were created to do that. Yes, we need to learn more about Jesus. We need to understand the Bible so and live under that authority so we can better go and do what the Bible says. Unfortunately, the American church is going the wrong way. And the sound of our silence is deafening. It's deafening. A couple years ago... I was late to work and I, and, and I knew I had to get gas or I would not make it to work. And so I stopped at the gas station, pulled up to the pump and, and I got out. Now keep in mind, if you, those who know me understand that I don't know anything about cars. I grew up with a single mom and uh, had no dad and so some basic things just were right over my head including how to pump gas correctly. And so I, I put the gas nozzle thingy uh, into thingy in the, the hole and, and I put it in there and I started pumping and it clicked off. And I was like, oh, I don't have time for this. So I did it again click. <gasps> more strength. <clears throat> click. Off. Whew. All right. Now, most people are already getting a clue. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> One more time. <clears throat> All over me. Gas. Everywhere. I stood back going, oh, what on earth? Why? And apparently Circle K has horrible pumps. Because Chevron, this never happens. And, and so, do you think I got the clue? No. Blah, 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 all over, second time. That left me with only one option. Try it one more time. And so, so I stretched out. It didn't get on me, but now it's causing a scene. All the ladies are looking at me. I don't know. All the guys are going, you idiot. And so try it one more time, spills four times. I get in the car, speed off, smell of gas everywhere. I don't know if you've ever smelled gas and donuts inside a car, but... And so I'm moving forward, furious, trying to find another gas station with pumps that work. I look down at the gauge. What do you think it said? (laughs) Yeah. Do you think I got it? No. Gauge is now broken. My life is miserable. And so I'm going, furious, smell like gas. My wife calls. We're talking. I'm not listening because I'm mad and I'm a guy. And and, and then all of a sudden she says something. By the way, I got gas last night. I know. (laughs) Sounds ridiculous. That is the American church. We come every Sunday. And we come to a place and we worship and it's wonderful. We learn about God and we hear Lynn and, and pastor Lynn fills us up in the Bible and, Oh, it's just amazing. And we go away full and we can start our week. And I hear so many people go, I need church because it starts my week out. Perfect. But then we come back the next Sunday. Same thing. Oh, it's amazing. The next Sunday, It's wonderful. I am so full of the Spirit and God's Word. It's the living water in my... Every Sunday, the American church, full, full, full. Can I tell you that God would prefer us not be full, but to be empty. And as we come into the, the church every Sunday, and we fill up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we are supposed to be pouring that out into our community. So our community can get refreshed. That is the goal. And then when we are empty, worship takes on a whole nother level. It's refreshing. And then we can pour out to our community. And so on and so on. Church is not meant to be a university where we learn all the crazy new theologies. It's meant to be a hospital It's meant to be a place where people are coming in thirsting for the word. Not only those who aren't Christian, but more importantly, those who are. We've got to be coming in on empty. We're heralds. We're running. This is the Gatorade stand. Hey, and we got to go back out. We got to go, move, fly. That is evangelism. So important. But yet we are going the wrong way. And we're so focused on self instead of turning our lifeboats around towards the dying. And remember, because people are dying doesn't mean they're any less worth, any more evil. They just haven't found the lifeboat like we have. And as Christians, often it would help us to remember back to what it was like without the lifeboat. So we might have the wrong mental picture. We for sure going the wrong way. The final piece is I think we're all, we often follow the wrong leader. And the wrong leader takes us away from the purpose of the church. C.S. Lewis once said, In the same way the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. To make them little Christ's. If they are not doing that, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, and even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole world was created for any other purpose. Now some of you might be in here, and you don't don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, and that's fine. And this is a place where you will find Jesus. This is a place that hopefully you find as welcoming and comforting. That's what church is about. There are some of you who have turned your life over to Jesus fairly recently. And I would call you um, a, a survivor. You're someone who's just come out of the icy waters and you're in the lifeboat. And for the next little while, you're just drying off. You're getting the understanding that, you know what, I'm safe now. I'm secure. But here's the problem. At some point... We've got to turn from survivors to savers. Too many people in the church stay the entire time in survival mode. And in survival mode, yes, you're safe, but you're only focused on yourself. As Christians, once we realize that we're dry and safe and that we are in God's hands and He will never let us go, we got to go save. But in order to do that, we have to listen And follow the right leader. I honestly believe the third reason why the American church and why church in general doesn't go out and tell people about Jesus. Is we're not following Jesus. We're following Satan. I want you to look at this clip. And see if any of this conversation rings true. In your attempts to go tell people about saving the dying. Apparently that guy has not seen the movie Misery. (laughs) So how often do we get stopped in our mission to go because of someone like him? Someone who casts doubt. Someone who gives excuses. Maybe that's someone's in the mirror. I found that there are several excuses that are used in... For people who don't go out. Number one is the excuse that I'm just not qualified. You know what? I, I want to tell people about Jesus. I just don't know what to say. I'm afraid they might ask me that question. Or this question. And, and I don't understand enough. That's an excuse. That's an excuse. John 1, 40. Check this out. Andrew. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas or Peter. Did you check out the amazing, high-tech evangelism strategy that Andrew used. He went, hey Peter, grabbed his wrist. Peter, Jesus, Jesus, Peter. That's it. That's evangelism. We don't speak people to Christ, we lead them to Christ. If you don't know what to say, bring them to a place where someone does. Here at Cornerstone, we make it incredibly easy to bring people Bring them to church. Bring them to the picnic. Bring them over to your house or to Starbucks. For co- Do something. I'm not trained or qualified doesn't work. Any more than it would work if you came across someone laying in the street dying. And you looked at them and go, well, I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to stare at you. Or someone drowning, well, I'm not a lifeguard, never watched Baywatch. I, I can't, you're dying, Sorry. You do something and it could be easy in the back we have cornerstone window stickers now I know some of you are going I, I I heard that before I can't put a window sticker on my car because it's a brand new car or and here's the great one I'm such a bad driver that I don't want to promote the church <laughs> that's the greatest promotion of all that cornerstone accepts sinners like you that's perfect <laughs> And can I tell you, we did this week we went through and looked at 269 families over the last three years came to Cornerstone only because they saw a window sticker. 85 of those families turned their life over to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but if I didn't have a window sticker on my car by lunch... easy. You don't have to know what to say. It's not about saying it's about doing. It's about living a life worthy of the call. They will see the change in your life. I'm not qualified. Doesn't work. Excuses don't work. You could tweet this. God forgives sins. He doesn't forgive excuses. Excuses don't work. How about this one? And trust me, it has been said they don't belong at our church. I was a youth pastor for a long time. I can't even tell you how many horrific things Christians have told me. I had a parent come up to me once and say, I love your youth ministry, but I don't understand why you allow, catch this, why do you allow Mexicans in the youth group? Why do you allow this person into your youth group? That person has long hair. Why why are, they're a sinner. I had a a parent come up to me, put her arm around me. Chris, I I know you don't realize this, but there are kids in our parking lot and they are smoking! And I'm like, yeah, they were in Walgreens last week. We are making progress. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Seriously. There's a reason why the only people that Jesus lost his temper with was these people. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Man and religion judges. But everything's level at the foot of the cross. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, black, white, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs Jesus. What about this excuse? Well, it's just too hard. It's not comfortable. Can I remind you? Lifeboats were not created to be comfortable. Lifeboats were not created to be easy. See, perfection and comfort and easy, that's sunk. That's at the bottom of the ocean. We live in a life in a lifeboat. excuses don't work. And remember this, as bad as this life that we are in is, this is the only hell that believers will ever know. This is as bad as it's ever going to get. And yet what we consider bad, what we consider miserable, is the only heaven non-believers will ever know. How can we stand by and let our heaven be someone else's, or our hell be someone else's heaven? We've got to do everything in our power as believers in Jesus Christ to share the good news of Jesus with every soul possible. No matter what, no matter how hard, no matter how unqualified you are, no matter what. And remember, God is with us till the very end of the age. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. On your way out, there's a pack of lifesavers. Okay, I'm going to ask you not to just go, Okay? Okay? And then in the seat back in front of you, there's an Operation Lifesaver card. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. If you can put the names, either three to five people. We don't want these names, by the way. But if you can put the names of three to five people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I'm going to ask you to put this on your mirror, somewhere where you can see it. And every night, maybe put it in your Bible. And for the next two weeks, we're going to try to develop a habit. I want you to eat one Lifesaver. And with that taste in your mouth, I want you to pray for the person the next night another lifesaver pray for the next person and so on and over the next two weeks wouldn't it be amazing if the church developed a habit of praying for those who are dying for God to open the door for you to grab their wrist to bring them to a place where they will hear Jesus we need to reach out we need to be those Andrews and here's the cool thing We talk about deep and wide. Evangelism is the definition of both. The Bible says, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. The word beautiful can be translated as fully blossomed or mature. It could literally say how mature the feet of those who bring good news. If you want to be a mature Christian, you're not going to find it in a book. You're going to find it in your community as you tell people about Jesus Christ. That's where maturity comes from. And when you dive that deep, your impact will be wide. That's what it's all about. Everyone in here is sitting in a purple chair. And for those of you who are new, you might not understand, we say the purple chairs a lot. We ask people to get out of these purple chairs. Here's what we mean by purple chairs. The purple chairs you're sitting in, in Santan, those purple chairs are ordered those purple chairs you're sitting in right now one's for you one is for someone on this list and when this lifeboat gets full we're going to build bigger lifeboats that's what we're called to do to reach the loss for Christ Pastor Lynn says it over and over again we want to make it incredibly hard for someone who lives in Chandler or someone who lives in Chandler to go to hell We want to do everything in our power to reach out and pull people in because we never want to get to a point where we fall short. I want you to look at this clip as we close. One awful moment of empty. Misty blackness enveloped us in its loneliness. Then an unforgettable, agonizing cry went up from 1,500 despairing throats, a long wail, and then silence. And our tiny craft tossed about at the mercy of the ice field. I have no idea what it would be like to be floating in a boat like this person was and listening to... To the sound of death followed by the sound of silence we have a command a commission as a church we have a light to hold up to the world we have a cure a truth a belief that Jesus is the way the truth and the life it is our job to do everything in our power to understand that this is a battle. It's not comfortable. People are dying apart from Jesus. We've got to turn our little crafts around and face this scene. And we've got to do everything in our power to ignore the excuses and to reach out and change a community for Jesus. That's why we're here. One of the most heartbreaking things I have to do as a pastor is to attend funerals. Especially those where I look down at the casket at someone I knew and I have to say to myself, I waited too long. I waited too long. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we ask for your your guidance. We ask for your wisdom to see things the way you see them. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that if there's anyone in here that maybe is just searching, they don't know what it means to have a life-saving and life-changing relationship with the Creator of the universe. Heavenly Father, I pray that you give those people the courage to, to maybe ask those questions maybe stay after service and talk to one of our counselors. But Heavenly Father, for those in here and those at Santan who know, who know what it means to be saved, to know what it means to be pulled out of the icy waters of sin and and to be in this lifeboat, Heavenly Father, give us the courage to stop being just survivors but to start being savers. To reach out to this community with the good news of Jesus Christ Heavenly Father we thank you for this church we thank you for the passion of Pastor Lynn to not want anyone not want anyone to be overlooked but for us as a church us as Cornerstone to reach out we thank you for those in here and so many are who are doing just that who are living that life as lifesavers. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in His precious name we pray. Amen.